Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So today we're going to finish our series that we've been walking through the book of Ezra. And we kind of left them last week in a pretty good spot. You know, the, the last part of chapter 8, verse 36, if you'll remember... Um, Ezra had gotten the okay to go back to Jerusalem. They've already built the temple, remember? And it said the king's decrees had been delivered to the highest officials and the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, who then cooperated by supporting the people and the temple of God. God is amazing when he moves on our behalf. And just to, to remind you, if you haven't been with us these last few weeks to catch you up what we've talked about and seen, uh, we know the Israelites, they were in captivity in Babylon, right? And they, because they had fallen away from serving God. And we remembered, we talked about Jeremiah giving them uh, the prophecy and the promise. You're going to be there for 70 years. And he said, but go ahead, live your life. God told him, live a life, build houses, get married, have kids, continue and, and, and bless those that you are around. And then the, the temple, when King Cyrus came along, he okayed for them to come back to Jerusalem. He released them. And the temple has been rebuilt. The first part of, of Ezra, we saw that. And now Ezra is returning to ensure the teaching of the law. And it kind of gives us the remembrance of when they came out of Egypt, remember. And God gave Moses the law to begin with so that they could remember who they were as his chosen people. And that's kind of what is happening again. Ezra is going back to make sure that the law is being taught so they remember. It's been 70 years. There's a whole generation that has passed. And they need to remember who they are. What an amazing journey. And obviously, when God is so amazing, when God is so gracious to you, we know that they would never mess that up again, right? Ezra chapter 9, verse 1. When these things had been done, the Jewish leaders came to me and said, Many of the people of Israel, and even some of the priests and Levites, have not kept themselves separate from the other peoples living in the land. They've taken up the detestable practices of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and Amorites. They'd, they surely wouldn't mess up again, right? Like God is so, so good. How many of you remember a moment in your past when you got caught red-handed by mama doing something you wasn't supposed to do. That was yesterday. <laughs> do, you, do you remember, though, as a kid when mama would catch you red-handed at something? And the whole time I bet mama was punishing you, you were probably promising her, I won't do it again, mama, I won't do it again, I won't do it again, I won't do it again. Right? I swear, Mama, I'll never, I'll never be mean to my sister again. I wonder if Jackie's heard that a time or two from the boys. And yet, <laughs> most likely before the sun even goes down, they're pulling pigtails again, right? Scaring them with snakes, lizards, or whatever. Like, right? Look at that big smile my boy has over here. 
And I, I didn't even know I was talking about you this morning. But you get what I'm saying here, right? Like, we know we've been in those situations when we've been caught in something. And, and we make that promise, we'll never do it again. I'll never steal another cookie until somebody's not looking at the Oreo package, right? Ezra has only been in Jerusalem a few months, mind you. And these leaders now are coming to him and letting him know that the people have already messed up. Now, maybe they knew better. Maybe they didn't. Like, that's debatable. But this goes all the way back to the law that Moses gave them originally when they were told, right, not to intermarry, when they were told not to make treaties with these families that would be in the promised land. And when you go on, because see what happens is they they tell Ezra that, hey, people are already messing up. And so Ezra has this heartfelt prayer. He falls to his knees and lifts his hands to the Lord. Verse 6 says, oh my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to you, for our sins are piled higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached to the heavens. Ezra feels such shame, he can't even look in the direction of God. He cannot believe they have come to this place again. And, and he is just, he is utterly stricken. Like, can you imagine? He was so pumped up, headed to Jerusalem, gonna, man, this ministry opportunity is awesome. He's only been there a few months, and already? Really? This is not what he came to deal with, right? Now listen, Verse 8 gives us a little more into this. Why is he so ashamed? Verse 8, but now we've been given a brief moment of grace. For the Lord our God has allowed a few of us to survive as a remnant. He's given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. He's like, we had this moment he understands how blessed they are that god had turned the hearts of the kings so that they could return home build the temple and resume life as god had promised them and yet and yet verse 10 he said and now oh god our oh our god what can we say after all this for once again we've abandoned your commands So he understands the severity of what is happening in this moment. He understands they've been given this great blessing. And surely if God is blessing us, we wouldn't squander that away. And yet, he says, here we are again. Now I need you to understand what this is really about today because this is not about marrying within your race. I feel like I shouldn't even have to say that, but I, I, God just kept pressing on me, make sure that they understand. This was not about not marrying those people, as in the people group, right? Because remember, God creates all people. Every person is a creation of God. 
This comes back to, when you look back at verse 1, two words. It says they've taken up what? The detestable practices. Right? Now, that may not really give us a lot to think about. Like, what is a detestable practice? Because it really doesn't give us a detail. We just, we're going to assume, well, it's because they're serving another God. But this, this word, when you look at original language, can mean a lot of things when you look throughout Scripture. Yes, it's idolatry. It's when they're serving another God. And we know, when you, when you hear them call them pagan people, it's because they're serving another God, not the God of Abraham. Okay? But detestable practices, that could be eating unclean food. They like their bacon, right? I've always said, I'm glad I'm not Jewish because I love my bacon. But understand what we're reading today in their context, in their day and age, in their society, there was certain foods they couldn't eat. And maybe they've decided that eating that pulled pork, just really, I can't. James put the pulled pork out and I got to eat it, right? Detestable practices, child sacrifice. I know, mom and dads, you think you want that some days, but it's not a good thing. I promise. Love those kids. Child sacrifice, adultery, oppressing the poor. These are all detestable practices that the Lord would have hated. And that's really what this is about. Who remembers the Ten Commandments? What's the very first thing? You'll have no other God but me. All right? And so that's what, that is the problem that we're really having here. It's not that, oh, you can't marry though. It's not genetics, people. (laughs) It has nothing to do with the flesh and blood. It has to do with what they were practicing, what they were allowing into their life. And I know this because we have moments in the scriptures where we see where God allows them to marry a foreign person. Rahab? Anybody remember Rahab? She was not of the Jewish culture, right? And yet, in the line of David? Anybody remember Ruth? Right? Ruth, who married Boaz? Again, David's line. And she was a Moabite. That was in the list. I'd say all the ites, but then they were crazy and threw in Egyptians. Like, that don't even rhyme. How can we put Egyptians in with all the ites, right? (laughs) She was a Moabite. What was the difference? Those ladies became followers of the one true God. Because what did Ruth tell Naomi? I'm going to go where you go, and your God will be my God. She gave up her pagan gods, right? So obviously that isn't happening in this scenario. That's why they've come to Ezra to out the problem, right? That's why they're, they're ratting out their neighbors, And so Ezra comes and he has this community prayer. And and maybe that feels a little odd for us these days because we know we're living New Testament times. So I'm responsible for my behavior, by the way, right? Like, I'm not going to be held accountable for you. But I think there's still a place for community prayer. I believe there's still a time to lament when the church has a problem, right? And so I still think Ezra's prayer is so important for us today. But do you notice that as he's praying, he's using the first person pronoun. God, I am so ashamed at where we are. And he didn't do anything wrong, by the way. 
But understand, again, in their culture, in their time, the community was judged together. Like they held together, and, and if somebody fell in the community, it was a dark spot on them all, right? And so he felt the shame, not because he got caught, but again, looking to verse 8, it's because he knew they were trashing this incredible moment of blessing. Have you ever watched somebody that you know God just blessed them and then they turned right around and just dumped it in the trash and kept living life in a horrible way? And you're like, how can you not see this? How can you not see what God has given you? A second chance. And you're going to squander it. That's the heart of Ezra right now. He's like, oh my goodness, do you not even remember where we were in Babylon? Do you not remember how we got there? And here we are right back again. So he says this this prayer, he's on his knees and he's crying out to God. Now let me tell you how this plays out. If you go home and finish reading, we're going to do both these chapters together today to finish Ezra. If you go home, he prays this lamenting prayer for the community together. Right? And in chapter 10, verse 2, this guy Shechaniah stands up. And he says, we've been unfaithful to our God. For we've married these pagan women, right? And so because Ezra has now stood up in public to pray this prayer, it is convicting others. That's why I believe that testimony time is such an awesome time. Because when you're sharing your testimony of what God is moving in your heart and your life, it encourages others. It may convict others to see their own life sometimes in that way. And so Shechaniah, he stands up and he says, man, we've done wrong. Verse 3 in chapter 10 says, let us now make a covenant with our God to divorce our pagan wives and to send them away with their children. Hmm. And then he even charges Ezra. He says in verse 4, get up for it's your duty now to tell us how to proceed in setting things straight. We're behind you, so be strong and take action. So Shechaniah stands up. He says, oh, man, he's right. What was we thinking? Man, we messed up. And he said, man, we're, we're going to set this right. We're, we're, we'll divorce these, these women. We'll send them back home, and we're going to make this right. And, and he tells Ezra, he's like, man, we need you to guide us through this. Because, again, they're relearning how to be the people of God, right? And so they're, they're depending on Ezra. And as they did, it took them months, by the way, to get this all figured out. Because if any of you know, divorce is not always easy. And it wasn't easy in this day and time either. Because when you married somebody, not only were you just married, but you made a treaty with that family now. There's the problem we're coming to. Because when you married, you made a treaty, a peace treaty, with the family Now lands are getting combined, right? Because you're going to have money and and things exchanged for the dowry. We call it the cost of a wedding these days. Holy cow. I should have just gave a dowry. Forget the wedding, right? But they would give money. So when you got divorced, you had to undo all that. You had to pay back the money. 
after that dowry. You had to give back lands, move back the land lines. Like, it sounds as messy as a divorce these days, right? Like, it's just not easy to untangle. So it took them months. Now, what does that mean for us today? Because, see, when I'm reading through this in the context of this day, and I understand the culture of this day, this is a nice, neat, tidy ending for the Israelites, actually. Okay, like, we're divorced. We send them back home to Daddy and Mama. And, okay, start over, right? What about us today? Because as I was reading through this for the first time, it was like, say what now? Because I thought God hates divorce. He does. He does hate divorce. But in this context, he hates how it was drawing his people away from him even more. Do you understand that? And the problem was they had been told not to do this. How many of you told your kids not to do something only for them to turn right around and do it? I don't remember what I told Brittany the other day, something on a phone call, and I told her, and I was trying to use reverse logic, and so when I told her, told it to her, she goes, what, Mom, that just doesn't even make sense. And I thought, well, you usually do the opposite of what I say. So I was just trying to see if you was really listening, <laughs> and I was hoping that maybe you would do the opposite of what I just said, you know? Because uh, they were told not to intermarry with the families that are already living in that promised land, not to make treaties with those families, and they did it anyway. So, Pastor, are you telling us to get divorced? Nope. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. But I do want to break this thought that for far too long we have thought of divorce as some unforgivable sin. Because when we read the full context of the Bible, that's not what I see here. Right? But, but Paul says we should do everything to make our marriage work. Yep, I totally agree with Paul. I think you should seek out counseling. I think that you should seek out whatever help needs to be. I think you need Christian counseling. Maybe you need other types of counseling. I totally agree with that. At all costs, try to save your marriage. Because Paul even tells us sometimes when you marry that unbeliever, maybe you can be a witness to that person, right? But let's go all the way back. That scripture also tells us not to be yoked with an unbeliever, right? So maybe that was the first problem in the marriage. When we do get tied with somebody who doesn't share the same beliefs as us, it doesn't always come out pretty, does it? But even so, you can do sometimes everything right and it still ends in divorce. And I am here to tell you that is not an unforgivable sin. That God loves you and that God still wants to redeem your life story. I'm looking at several that he has redeemed those stories, right? But this was just sort of one of those mind-blown moments in Scripture for me. Because who can admit in here, this is the first time you've ever paid attention to this, that divorce was the answer. And I just thought, that don't make sense. Like, 
I didn't even get raised in the church, and I have always been taught that, what? <laughs> so again, I'm not telling you divorce is your answer. Don't take that. Why does God hate it? Because he hates when you have two people confessing to be Christians, and yet they are not turning their whole life over to change what needs to be changed. And no matter the reason, even if it's a perfectly, you know, you've come to me and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll back you. It's still, when you untangle two lives and you get children in there, it's still hard, right? We know this. That's why God hates it, because it does bring a lot of division. But I'm here to just tell you, let me say it again and again, it is not an unforgivable sin. And I'm afraid that over the years, our churches have unknowingly put that message out there to where people carried a shame that I don't think they should have carried for so long. Do I think that you might need to come to God and, and have a, a moment with him and ask some forgiveness for things? Sure. Chosen on Wednesday night, the statement when um, Mary was talking to the other lady, the other, uh, what is her name, people? Tamar. Tamar. Thank you. You went and looked it up, didn't you? Ah. Ah. And they were having this conversation, and it was basically about how they were viewing what Jesus had done in their lives differently. And Tamar had said to Mary about, she said, you know that Jesus forgave you, but you won't let it go. Hmm. Let it go. Let it go. Let God heal. Let him restore. And let it go. Now, I said earlier, maybe they didn't know, right? But I honestly, I think they knew. I think they knew they wasn't supposed to be marrying. But see, the problem was not the person. Again, it was not the person. It was the practices that they were doing. Because I bet you Susie Moabite was a sweet little girl. You know? <laughs> I bet she was a nice enough girl. And I, you know, I all other circumstances, I bet mama would have just loved her if she'd have just been a good Jewish girl, right? <laughs> so, so I don't think it was the person. But again, it's because these spouses were taking on the practices of their pagan religions, right? And that's what God knew shouldn't happen. He was trying to keep them separated. They were returning, by the way, to the very things their grandparents and parents got in trouble for that got them taken off to Babylon. Because when you go back to the end of, I think it's Chronicles right before this, that, um, yeah, it tells you that they had given in to worshiping other gods and doing detestable things. And so God allowed for Nebuchadnezzar to come take them off to Babylon. They're right back where they started. And I think the sad part, and maybe this is what Ezra, parents, grandparents, hear me, you understand this. The sad part is when you watch them knowing you did your best to teach them. Because I believe that those grandparents and parents who were living in Babylon told the stories over and over of how they got here. You know, they sat around those dinner tables sharing, this is where we messed up, kids. Man, this is where we... You know, I am of that great generation, Gen Xers, yay. Our life is not on Facebook. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. 
It's wrote down in some journals that I'm still debating, should I burn them or not? Or let my kids just go, what? When they read it, right? And you see, the, the problem is we now, Gen Xers, we, we are like, we're the helicopter parents, right? And we, we tried so hard. But here's why. Listen to me, kids. It's because I've been there and I've done that. I know the heartache of it. I know where you get in trouble, right? And so I, I tried to raise my kids in a, a different way. And so sometimes maybe when I see them headed down a path, it's like, no! that road goes don't do it but they still have to make their choices and I love that God uh, several years ago gave me the the reminder and I've shared this over and over with you guys that he said hey where were you at that age and I'm whoo we don't talk about that Lord (laughs) and he said and I found you I know where your kids are hold on to that moms and dads he does Because the same God that I see pouring out mercy to a people group here that truly messed up, and 70 years later, he said, I'm going to give you another try. And their kids are doing the same thing. But God is good. God is merciful. What's our takeaway? Because, you know, sometimes when I'm doing the Old Testament, it is hard. Like, God, what does this even mean for us today? What is my two questions? Tell me something I've learned about God. Tell me something I've learned about Jesus in this. Well, first of all, God calls his people to be distinct from the world. And that is still true today. He still wants us to live in this world but not be of this world. Does that make anybody ring a bell? You've read that scripture, to be in the world but not of the world. That also means that we're not to hermit ourselves away from the world. I I can't just go start prepping and hide in the basement. Okay? Because I'm still called to be in the world, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. God still longs, though, for a group of people, his body, to live life but be different than this world. That is why we are a holiness people. That is what the Church of the Nazarene, we call ourselves a holiness people because we believe we should be set apart. We should look different. Our lives should look different in a good way. Not a weird way, right? Not in a, oh, I don't even want you to sit next to me because I will be unclean way. No. Right? But take away that sin also still disrupts our relationship with God today. Because we see here the Israelites had sinned. They had, they had done the thing they were told not to do. And sin separates us from God. And it makes problems within the body, right? We see this because obviously whoever was ratting them out come to Ezra and goes, oh, you know, those people that sit in row four down and towards it, they ain't listening to God no more, right? So it causes problems within the body. Sin separates us in a bad way. And it separates us still from God today. 
But God's goodness, oh, thank you for the song, Emily. Like I said, today was the day for all your songs. Because God's goodness is still the only hope we have today. This world, we're coming up, oh, us pastors, <laughs> we're dreading this 2024. We're coming up on another presidential election. I'm going to say this for the next year. Pray about it, vote about it, forget about it. All right? <laughs> so that we can keep loving each other. Just vote the way you want to vote. There's nothing in this world that's going to fix it. There's not a politician. There's not a government program. There's not enough stimulus checks that can come that is going to fix it. God's goodness through Jesus Christ is the only hope this world has. That's what we need to be putting out there on Fox News. God's goodness. I have the answer for you today. And his name is Jesus. This is our God. I speak the name of Jesus over you. Because that is your only hope today. He's calling your name. Maybe, maybe you're hearing a message just for you today. That's always my prayer. God hears the words, but God, you do whatever you need to do in each of these pews today. And maybe there's a sin in your life he's calling out. Guess what? He still does that. He still convicts, and he don't need us to do it, by the way. We're not here to defend the church. We're not here to defend the Bible. We're not here to even defend God because Jesus Christ says, I've already overcome the world, and greater is he that is in me than that is in the world. He told us, go and make Christ-like disciples, teaching people to follow my commands. Why? Because if they don't follow the commands, sin separates us from God. And then Ezra 10, verse 11, it says, So now confess your sins to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and do what he demands. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the pagan women. In other words, stop doing the detestable practices. Stop being like the world. And guess what? Every one of us, Romans 3 tells us we've all fallen short right we have all fallen short every single one of us and the scary thing is as i was reading these last two chapters is it's also the reminder that every one of us are capable of falling back into the same mess we get pulled out of if we're not careful to watch that's why it's also important to have accountability partners you know, um, I love our Wednesday night group just because I feel like that's what we are. We're accountability partners. We are able to talk openly with one another when we dive into the, wor the word and, and, and just help encourage one another. And that's part of accountability, right? That's part of it. I love in Romans chapter 10 because, again, there's nothing that is unforgivable except when you grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? You ignore him. That's the unforgivable sin. When the Spirit is knocking on your heart about something and you just push him aside. But Romans 10 tells me that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. That's why I loved our song sets this morning because it was all... Oh, about Jesus. It's not the church of the Nazarene that will save us. 
It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. My prayer is that is what is being preached in every church up and down this highway today. The name of Jesus. Stand with me this morning, church. Bo, pull up just as good by Chris Rinzema. Our prayer song that goes with our rocks. Maybe today you've heard the Spirit just calling your name. It's time to repent. It's time to recognize that even though life has felt really good, man, all through Ezra, it was exciting. We're building the temple. We're getting back to life. Things are so awesome. And then the last two chapters are like, say what? We're back in the mess? Maybe you've had this brief moment where God has just blessed you. Maybe today you need to remember that. Maybe you owe him a thanks that you hadn't even given him yet. Maybe you need a moment to realize, God, I am slipping and I don't want to slip. Father, pull me up. I don't want to hit rock bottom again. Pull me up. Maybe today is your day. Father, we come. Open hearts, open hands today. Father, in this this house full of your people, we are your people Every face that I'm looking at, I know at some point, God, how they've said, I love you, Jesus. But man, maybe life is just overtaken this morning. Maybe this is just a a slow reminder where we, we have fallen away somewhere. God, maybe someone in here, you've walked in, you've been carrying that burden, uh, something that you felt unforgivable for. Let it go. Today is the day to let it go. And maybe that's you coming forward. Altars are open. Our Ebenezer jar is here. Maybe you just need to come forward today to make a public statement, just as Shechaniah stood up in public and said, man, I've fallen short, but I want to get it right. Maybe today is your day to say that. And maybe today you need prayer partners around you to just pray for you. If that's you, just slip a hand up that says, I just need prayer. Somebody pray for me. Oh, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, thank you. See those hands. Lord, I know that you have been in this place from the very first song that was sang today. I felt your presence here. I thank you, Lord. But God, I also offer... I'm sorry for the ways we let you down. (laughs) For the moments when we leave this building and we forget this brief moment of blessing of life that we have to live for you. Father, may we remember as we leave this place, may we remember all the goodness that you have poured into our life. And God, may we share that same hope with others outside of this room. Every, every person that we come in contact this week, may we share the hope of Jesus. How he sets us free from the things that the world is trying to tell me I'm still tangled up in, but I'm saying, no, I've been forgiven and I'm letting go. May we find new freedom today. Father, a freedom that we can go be in this world and not of this world. May your spirit continue to call us and speak to us, and may we answer when you do. 
Lord, we love you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that, Lord, even when we continue to mess up over and over, you're there to forgive us every time. Help us, Lord. Help us to be who you created us to be. Every person in this room has a plan and a purpose. And, Lord, some of us, we haven't got there yet because we haven't released all control to you. So may we do that today. I love you, Lord. Thank you for being here with us. And may we take you as we leave so that we can be a witness to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, have a beautiful day in the air conditioner and go be a blessing to others because you've been blessed. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.